Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,401. Be prepared. Well, be prepared to go into the future because things are happening fast in the car world. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in New York City with a very special returning a guest by the name of Nathan Hecht. Nathan, welcome back to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes. Thank you very much for having me again. You bet. Now, this is quite interesting. I love having guests on again that have evolved, have are doing new things. Maybe it's entirely different, but you my friend, do not sit still very well because when you were on the show before, it was about a year and a half ago, and we talked about several companies you founded. And uh, now there's another one in your uh, pocketbook, and uh, this one has a relation to the others, and we'll get into that in a minute. But, you know, one thing I asked you when we start, and I always ask all my guests is to share something that people don't know about you. Now, you answered in a very unique way. You're known as the every other button guy. <laughs> and I've had some people tell me, what was the deal with the button guy? And I know it's kind of a family secret. So maybe we go in a different direction today of something that people don't know about you. But for you regular listeners, you'll remember, but go back and listen. Uh, Nathan's a guy that only buttons every other button on a dress shirt. Now, he wouldn't reveal the secret behind it, but is there something else unique in your life? There's got to be. Uh, yeah. By the way, yes. I, by the way, I still keep that custom of um, skipping every other button on my dress shirt. <laughs> okay. uh, it is, it's trade secret. Okay. Uh, but uh, let, let's go to the other end of the spectrum here. So a lot of people probably don't know that I pray three times a day. Oh, wow. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, yeah. with with pra you. with prayer, and some people that aren't religious think that you know prayer is just for religious people. But I've always looked at prayer as a little bit like meditation in a way, or a breath for the day. How do you look at prayer, and why is it important to you? Yeah, I I I think you just um, you summed it up really well. So for me, it's two things. It's definitely uh, meditation. It's definitely a time to pause, take a breath from the chaos um, of the day. So in the morning, it's sort of setting the day on the right foot. That's the first prayer. In the middle of the day, it's uh, taking a break from uh, all the madness and uh, allowing yourself to disconnect even for just a moment. And in the evening, it's, um, okay, now we're heading into the evening. We got to put everything that's happened behind us and, you know, head into the evening with a clear state of mind, uh, with the intention of resting for the following day. In addition to that, it's an opportunity to remind us why we're here, remind us that we all have a purpose, make sure there's meaning, and of course, connecting to God, uh, our, our Creator. Well, it's wonderful. And for people that perhaps are not religious, I would suggest you listen to what Nathan's sharing and give it a try— and think of it in the ways that Nathan has talked about it. I've had this conversation with other people that perhaps it is a nice way to mentally reset, stop, think, remember to breathe deep. 
while you're doing it. It, it. it is a relaxing practice, and it doesn't have to be tied to religion. It is, of course, when you think of the sense of it. But would you agree for somebody who goes, well, I'm just not religious, I'm not going to do it, that there's those other benefits, just mindful health benefits personally? Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, it's it's motivated by religion. The underpinnings of it is obviously my religious beliefs. But I would uh, completely agree that even for someone who isn't religious, the ability to just stop and pause is very important and very meaningful. And and who knows where it leads to? You know, it it generally probably brings you to a to a better life somehow. But you know, to each his own. Everybody will find their reasons for it and what they're connecting to, if you will, uh, their own methods of connection. So I think it's interesting, regardless. I would agree. Yeah, and I, I had a, a friend who's uh, not religious, but he said, "Think of it this way: if you are religious and you pray to uh, to God, then that is the focus of that prayer moment. If you're not, then focusing on your breath is another way to." stop, pause, and above all, be grateful for what you do have, especially if you're having a rough day and you're focusing on all those negative things. Because I think we all know, and this is one of those tricks you, you've we've seen on Instagram or social media, at the evening, take a moment to thank whomever for your day, the things that went well. And in the morning when you get up, first thing you do is thank whomever, God or yourself or just nature, whatever you might believe in, that you're grateful you woke up and that your day is going to be a good day. And yeah, it's it's a meditative type thing as well. So wonderful deal. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, it's a, a good talk sure. to to have with people uh, to help understand uh, the power of prayer, uh, however you use it in your life. But it is powerful, I think, for sure. Yes. Very cool. All right. Well, We'll still have the mystery of the buttons, but you know, maybe one of these days we'll have Nathan back and I'll I'll say, Nathan, you gotta tell us the secret here about the every other buttons. But until then, we'll just keep it to you and uh that one of those things about Nathan that people will go, hmm, interesting. Let me give you a new introduction today. Nathan Hecht is the founder and CEO of Cario, his latest venture that recently spun out of Arodo. You remember when he was last on the show, we talked about Arodo, another company that he also founded and is still running. Cario is a transformational platform to digitize and transfer the vehicle title in a matter of minutes on a blockchain infrastructure. Nathan founded Roto after his first attempt to lease a car from a dealership. It was the greatest event uh, or experience, I should say. Nathan's past projects and roles include founder and CEO of Distrucks, a claimed platform for self-destructing files on the web, as well as Currency, that's with a K, K-U-R-R-E-N-C-I, the internet's first virtual currency platform. And regular listeners, again, will remember, Nathan was the show back in May of 2022. You will find him on the Cars yeah! website or your mobile platform. I believe that was show number 2078, so we're up to 2401, just went over 2400. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner 
that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership according to Libsyn, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars Yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars Yeah! every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Nathan, this is quite interesting to me, and I would love for you to maybe go back and recap a little bit about Roto and then how Cario, these names you're coming up with I love, (laughs) how Cario evolved from this and how it's going to benefit all of us and make our lives that much easier. So let's go back to Roto for a brief moment. Sure. So Roto is a company that I co-founded about six years ago that is a marketplace for consumers to buy, lease, or sell a new or used vehicle online. That business was born, as you mentioned, out of an experience that I had in going into a car dealership in my hometown in New York. And essentially, I thought that there was a better way to be able to do the the vehicle transaction online instead of in the store. Uh, And that business, I am still running. I'm still the CEO of that business. And uh, it's flourishing. We are uh, nationwide. Uh, we have a large dealer network that we work with daily. Our, our customers uh, love the experience. And we aim to be the largest online marketplace for consumers uh, to interact with car dealers across the U.S. In that business, and this is actually interesting because it, it started during COVID when pricing of vehicles uh, sort of, uh, you know, went to to extremes um, with the inventory shortage. Uh, new car prices obviously increased significantly, and used car vehicles incre- increased significantly as well. And we stood up a division in Roto where consumers who wanted to sell their used vehicle or their off-lease vehicle, or frankly, even if they were in the middle of a lease, 
they would go to our website, drop their license plate or their VIN, and we'd give them a quote to purchase the vehicle. And then we would go to their home, pick up the vehicle, uh, and pay them for the vehicle on the spot. And that business grew exponentially um, over the last few years, literally from zero uh, about three years ago to a very, very uh, large business today. Wow, great. And in that business, we realized one of the things, uh, one, of the, one of the pain points in the buying and selling, especially of used vehicles, is title transfer. So we would purchase all of these vehicles from consumers and we would pay them for the vehicles. But we then would have to wait for title to be transferred to us, either if the consumer owned the vehicle, they'd have to go find their title. If there was a lien on the vehicle, we'd have to make the payoff, wait for the lien to come to us, and so on and so forth. And we started to realize that the entire business of transfer of ownership of vehicles is essentially the same as it was nearly 100 years ago. Yeah, old-fashioned pain in the butt. <laughs> it's unbelievable when you think about it. There's been so much innovation in transportation and mobility, um, at, you know, even in the vehicles themselves, and the transfer of ownership is still a piece of paper. Yeah, It's coming by mail or it's coming by FedEx. You still need to walk into the DMV to transfer title, to register the vehicle, and so on and so forth. And for us, it was a massive inefficiency. And as a tech company, where you want everything digital and you want everything as efficient and as fast as possible, and then it's just a regular business where you don't want your capital tied up, we were looking for solutions. And we quickly learned there were no real solutions because title was ultimately still a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of commonsensical, but you're right. Uh, this old method is such a challenge and a pain and especially you know who the big old joke is who wants to go to the dmv i mean it's it's the exactly zoo. it's like a zoo there you know of, of every character exactly. on the planet yeah so you figured out a way to override all this well we figured out a way to advance all of this so <laughs> we better word we studied the industry really closely we looked at the consumer perspective right you buy and sell a car between two parties uh, again, you don't know if the title that you got is a legitimate title or the person says, oh, yeah, you know, the car is my mom's and she just passed away and I need to go find the title or they signed it in the wrong place and now they need to get a replacement title and so on and so forth. And then we looked at the business uh, bottlenecks, like I just described, the roto bottleneck and the, on the wholesale side, on the retail side, on the, on, the, on the new vehicle side and so on and so forth. And we quickly realized that there may be an opportunity here to advance this paper title into something digital. And that's what we've been working on for the last 18 months. We have essentially done two things. We have digitized the title itself. We've turned it into effectively a digital asset. And in addition to that, we have built the platform for a buyer, a seller, a lien owner, holder, and the DMV to all meet on this digital platform to consummate the transfer of title in real time. Wow. So it takes what would otherwise take two weeks, four weeks, six weeks with all the ambiguity around the piece of paper. We've narrowed it down to a digital platform to literally a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes to complete the transfer of ownership. And that's what Car Radio is. Wow. Well, this is wonderful. I mean, in so many ways. Now, have you or did you work with government entities to 
have them come on board with all of this because that's sometimes where the uh-huh. the st- yeah where the sticking point is. Yeah, I can sense in that yeah, breath, so, in that breath that came. So out. Just, Let's take a moment and have a prayer, right? <laughs> <laughs> you just nailed it. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, pause for contemplation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the government. Take a breath. Okay. So yeah. uh, the short answer is we are currently in conversations with the relevant DMVs across the United States. So we've done all of the uh, all of the work to get to that point. So the technology is built, the team is built, the brand is built. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking to, to, to the large dealer groups, we're talking to the, to the, to the large lenders and, and, you know, the online platforms and so on and so forth. And then we ultimately need to get the DMVs onto the platform. So we're heavily engaged with multiple states. Um, obviously, it's government, it takes time, there's bureaucracy um, and so on. But we are working diligently to start to get pilot programs set up with DMVs across the U.S., you know, with what we would call reasonable timeframes in the coming months and years. And I would just add, you would be shocked as to the level of engagement and interest that the DMVs currently have. So it, it shocked us, frankly, how interested they are and how, uh, how they immediately, you know, saw the need and said, okay, guys, let's go, you know, walk us through this. Well, you know, yeah, I think you're right. And the one thing that comes to mind, I had a guest on my show not too long ago from a company called Reviver. You heard of Reviver, Neville Boston? Is that the license pl- yes. digital license plate yeah. company? Exactly. Yes, I've heard. Yeah, that. and he and I had the same conversation, and it was, I think he, if I recall, two or three years before finally that relationship that he was working on through his company to have digital license plates finally worked. However, he said something encouraging. And he said, when we started working with legislators and the people that actually make the laws, you know, not the guy, the sloth behind the counter. Sorry, I'm not trying to be disruptive, but that cartoon of the sloth behind the counter at the DMV cracks me up. It's it's exactly how you feel when you go in there. And I unfortunately just had to go in and deal with that. And it was like, oh my gosh, you try to be so patient. But he said the same thing. He said that the people really deep behind the scenes really want to make this happen. Because you think about if you can get rid, I mean, they don't like it any more than we do, I think, in many cases, because we've all sat in the DMV and listened to someone scream at the poor person behind the counter. And you're like, <laughs> oh boy. you know, the poor person behind the counter is just trying to do their job as best they can. Most of those folks are like all of us, they're just people doing their jobs. And it's like, sir, you know, I can't give you a new title if I don't know you <laughs> You don't own the car. How, how do I know that? Well, I've had it for 100 years. Well, how do I know who you are? You know, so that's encouraging to me, but more so to us consumers that you have created, well, to many of these companies, a faster, easier, and better way to make all this happen because it is such a Oh, yeah, such a such a challenge. So I'm excited to hear that. Do you have a way to look in your crystal ball or is it still a little foggy of when when all this magic will just be happening and it becomes a normal almost an app on the phone to here's how I do this? I think it will happen in stages. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to roll out, you know, state by state. There will there won't be any sort of, you know, federal mandate for this. Obviously DMVs are on a state by state basis. But I, I think that the first pilot programs will go live in the first quarter of twenty four. We are um, you know, optimistic of that. And then it will be a multi year program. But if you look out Somewhere in the five-year range, um, maybe five to seven years, if I'm looking into my crystal ball, I think this will be the norm across the United States. And, and when you think about the evolution 
of many businesses that needed, you know, government, uh, you know, regulation or, you know, government agency intervention or a change of the law or what have you. That's typically the time frames that it's taken, whether, you know, it's electric vehicle mandate, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, TLC laws to allow, you know, ride sharing, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, scooters on city streets and so on and so forth. The approximate time frame for these things is somewhere, you know, from zero to, you know, the five-year time frame. Well, and also for consumers to embrace it and understand it and trust it. I think trust is another feature. And we saw that with uh, COVID rapidly changing the way people think about purchasing because they had to. I mean, in many cases, Company, physical stores were closed, mandated closed by the government. So how do I go and buy that? Well, you know, there's these other ways to do it. And I see it with friends of my age or older, say my my mom, that had become, took a while, but had become very comfortable with the process of buying online. You still got to be careful, got to watch out. Um, but, uh, and also buying cars. I mean, who'd have thought that we'd be buying cars the way we do? And I, I was thinking as you were talking about your company Roto as as well. If you go way back to when at Costco they started the process of buying cars through Costco, and why did they do that, and why was it a success? Because people did not like the experience of going into a dealership. Yeah. Right. And yes, I tell you, some I found out after a long time. I reunited with an old high school friend of mine who I found out is actually owns and runs that company that Costco isn't selling the cars. His company is. He's just. Uh, has an agreement with them to do it through Costco. I had no idea that that's what this guy was doing in the background. I think he wow. sold more cars than anybody in, in the United States. It's quite amazing what he's he's built with that. But you are making it easier for people. And I think that's the basis behind, if you go back to all your companies, there's a, a thing going on here that's kind of makes sense to me. Find a, you know, a, a problem and find a solution. But all your companies seem to have this, you know, disk trucks and currency have a, a process behind them. Is this how you really started out in all these businesses? Is how can I make things better for people? Or is it something that just happened? I, I, I think so. But, but I think it's also, you know, sort of my life experiences. When, when, you, when you look at the things that we do and the things that we spend time on versus the things that we should be spending time on, um, if there's opportunity to find inefficiencies and capitalize on, on those inefficiencies, uh, you know, I, for one, love to do that. And I think, um, you know, that, that's what it's been for me. It's as you come across the life experiences, there's always room for improvement. And ultimately, if the improvement can become a business and everything that goes along with that, um, you know, for me, I love those challenges and I love those opportunities mm-hmm. uh, to be able to, uh, you know, to work on, on real world problems, if you will. Yeah, you should really uh, meet Neville Boston at Reviver because uh, you guys both think in the same way. He His whole deal with Reviver was going through the process of go, having to go down and pick up license plates. And, you know, it's like, why are we still picking up metal? license plates you know <laughs> what's, yeah. what's the deal with this and yeah out of that comment with a friend came a business and it's the same for for what you're doing so i, I think the entire deal is fascinating and um you know when when we were talking before and i don't want to ask you all the same questions that i asked you before because i encourage you listeners to go back and listen to my first talk with nathan here but i do want to maybe evolve them a little bit with time as it relates to your business. And one of the things we talked about was what inspires you and what keeps you going. I mean, for a guy that's 
got a successful business and then, oh, I think I'll do it again and again and again. And many people look back and go, why are you making your life so complicated? But <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm saying it in a way that maybe some people may look at it, but I, I, I get it with you. But and maybe it's that three day, <laughs> three day a prayer day um, that may helps you keep moving through. But w- what is it that keeps inspiring you to keep creating? Is it that I want to solve something here? I'll give you the the selfish perspective and then the selfless perspective. So the selfish perspective is just I love the challenges. I love the the process of finding a problem, solving a problem, uh, building and creating and innovating around that. Um, It's it's almost like like maybe I'm an artist. Uh, you, you might say, and for me, it's um, it just makes everyday exciting, everyday meaningful. If you would compare it to, I guess, someone who's you know a farmer and plants and sows and 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 harvests, you sort of you know it's that process of of making something um, that makes life very enjoyable. So that's the that's the selfish side of it. I think there's a there's a selfless element as well, which is there is an end goal here. And the end goal is obviously, it's twofold. One is, I think, being part of improving people's lives. And look, you know, we don't live in parts of the world where improving someone's life means, you know, digging a well or, you know, uh, providing food or medicine. Um, We live in a part of, in a developed part of the world where making people's lives better or improving someone's life um, is some of the things that we do, technological advancement uh, and, and so on. And I think for me, being able to do that and making that difference, but not only that, because the deeper purpose is to ultimately give back to uh, my community and, you know, in as, in as big a way as possible, um, literally with money and to be able to use whatever the proceeds of the business that we do to ultimately give back in the form of charity or you know career advancement you know schooling or whatever it may be so i think that the selfless side of it is a combination of knowing that you're doing something that is improving people's lives and also knowing that your ultimate reason for building a business and making money is to use that for something um, that's very meaningful and very important where you can really improve the world Ah, wonderfully said. I, I just had this conversation with my son a couple of weeks ago about looking at money in a different way. And he said to me, Dad, I think I think I look at money different than you or your generation does. I look at it as simply another tool in my toolbox, enabling me to do things mm. for myself or for others. And he said so many times other people just look at it as a into a mean so i got to make money so i can have a house or have a car or do this or do that or go on this trip or do that but he has a different perspective of it which ties nicely into what you said which i think is more healthy yes i i would agree and it's interesting because a lot of um a lot of the younger generation today and i have i have uh, you know teenage children and old and, and some younger and some older i think you know the world is crazy today. It's, it's moving at a <laughs> really. It, it's, I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. Uh, you know what the younger generation is is dealing with, and for them to sort of question, what am I doing here? What is my ultimate purpose? How do I want to spend my time? Is very very different than say the previous generation, where it was literally life and death. You know, wars, uh, economic struggles, and so on and so forth. In most of the world today, there's much less of that. So it gives people the opportunity to dig even deeper, if you will, um, than previous generations where had to, where where they were worried about where the next meal would come from, and for them to be able to recognize 
that um, there is something more than just your next meal, or there is something more than just, you know, acquiring that next thing or having that next thing. I have that conversation with my children all the time. And it's really interesting to see and to sort of compare to what our parents and our grandparents' concerns were versus, you know, what today's generation is thinking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's quite amazing. It's uh, overwhelming. And so when, when I look at this and I get overwhelmed, I think, wow, my children, what are they thinking? And now I've got two mm. grandchildren and I'm thinking, what are they going to have to deal with uh, into the future? But I'm sure these are all conversations that all generations have had in different ways throughout the history of mankind. Um, but it just seems like things are moving just so fast that sometimes it's good to pause, take a breath, maybe say a prayer. And uh, and uh, recenter your life. Now, we also talked about a challenge last time, and one of the things that you discussed, and I've heard this many times from people that are very busy, balancing work life, especially when you're building companies. Have you, since we last talked a year and a half ago, have you come to realize some <laughs> ways to do that in your life? Um, I still have an imbalance in favor of work, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I yeah. would say, Tough. admittedly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of it. And I think, especially as we get older, uh, you know, you start to you start to think about, uh, you know, how you want to spend your time. So I'm conscious of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm making an effort, certainly, to uh, to have a good um, work life balance. I recently did a podcast, uh, a different podcast, a few weeks ago, and we were sort of talking about this. And I was saying how I make an emphasis today to um, spend as much time with my children, especially the little ones. Uh, as possible. I'll mention literally in the last couple of days, my youngest son, who's four going on 15. (laughs) Wow. is an amazing little boy. Just out of nowhere in the last couple of days, I walk into the house and he says, daddy, play with me. And I like, I I, I put my knapsack down. I take my jacket off. I go down into the basement of the house and I'm like literally sitting on the floor playing with him. And as hard as it is after such a long day, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm not even eating dinner yet. I'm going to spend the next 15, 20 minutes, you know, crashing his cars, building Lego, whatever it may be, um, you know, because it is ultimately the most important thing. So I think I'm I think I'm doing slightly better, but there's probably still an imbalance. Well, yeah, it's tough. Well, Cats in the Cradle, you know, the song is it just keeps coming <laughs> yeah. back to mind. Great I, song. It is. Yeah, it's it's hard. It, yeah, yeah, I dealt with the same stuff. And I, and I would just say this because I'm a bit your senior. And again, my kids are grown now and I have little ones, a two-year-old and a seven-week-year-old now. Yeah, little Evie. And so, um, I, yeah, I when people ask me, what would you do different? And that's one of the things is spend less time at work and more time with my children. Uh, most definitely. And you can't get that back. So what you just did, there's a first great step for you, Nathan. Sit down, get on the floor and play. And just that, that in a way is very therapeutic if you allow it your is. brain to go to that moment and not be go- at the same time going, okay, what's next? I got to work on this tonight. And It really is. Really hard it to do. It really is. Yes, it's hard to do, but if you can indulge in it for a few minutes, um, it's a beautiful thing. Ah, it is. Yeah, and for that little one as well, four years old. Wow, there you go. So we also talk about cars here, obviously, because it's cars, yeah. And I wanted to touch on something with you. You talked about a Shelby, Shelby Mustang or a Cobra as a special vehicle, but I want to touch on EVs because you're working into the future, and I wanted to get your impression of... EVs, because when I asked you last time if you were a car, what kind of car would you be? You said a Tesla Model 3. Now, since you and I last spoke, 
I had a new experience during car week at Pebble Beach. I rented a Tesla. Never driven one before. I've only driven one electric car. It was when the Chevy Volt first came out a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, it is, it's changed my impressions about electric vehicles in a positive way. And, and I wanted yeah. to get your impression, your thought process of what's happened with EVs. I feel like, you know, we're being, they're being shoved down our throats way too fast. And, and that, for me, that's immediate resistance. Government, stop telling me what I should be in. You know, get out of my life. Right. Get out of my way so I can do things. Mm -hmm. what's, your, what's your thought process today about EVs? What's happening now in the future? So it's it's really interesting your timing of that question. <laughs> okay. um, if you had asked me if you had asked me two months ago when I would get uh, a hybrid or an EV, I would say uh, you know I'm years from now. Mm -hmm. I'm in no rush. Although I compared myself to a to a Model Three, I'm in no rush to get an electric car. And then something happens from one second to the next. Uh, a month ago, or just over a month ago, I needed a new vehicle. And obviously, as the CEO of Roto, I went onto the app and I was looking for what was, you know, you know, priced well that month and what had the most rebates and incentives. Uh, and I came across a Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe 30th anniversary edition. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went into my back office and I said, guys, anybody have a quick comment on this car? And they were like, Nathan, they're, they're, they're falling off the shelves like hotcakes. Everybody's grabbing the four by E's right now. Mm -hmm. If you're going to step into something electric, maybe this is the way to do it because it's a hybrid. And I just did it. Wow. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> I never thought I would get, you know, even a hybrid. Yeah. And I said, okay, I placed an order. The car was delivered the next day and I've been driving it for a month now. It's really interesting. And I, I'll break this down for you in, in like the 60 second version. Okay. So the four by E is a hybrid, so it's a plug-in hybrid, PHEV, and you have, you have three modes on this truck, okay? You've got the all-electric mode, and I'm charging it right now in a level one charger, the outlet in my garage. It takes about 13 hours to charge, and I get about 30 city miles on the charge. That's it, all-electric, okay? Ah, okay? Then there's the hybrid mode, which is the battery and, uh, you know, battery and engine, you know, gas engine running together. It has a regenerative mode where you can not only produce power by braking, but the vehicle automatically slows down and produces power and so on and so forth. Also very interesting. And then it has the gas only mode. And I have to tell you that it's strange to adapt from a vehicle that you just get into, fill up at the gas station and move versus, you know, I pull into my driveway, I plug in a car, but I don't really use the electric only. And now I'm sort of thinking about charging. I'm wondering if I'm really saving money on gas. You're going through this whole sort of metamorphosis, if you will, in your relationship with your car. <laughs> I don't even know yet how I feel about it, but it's super interesting in this migration from my gas only car towards an electric only car by being in the hybrid. In general, I am enjoying it, but I also feel like it's a bit of a distraction that I don't really need. Mm. Like, you know, plugging it in, unplugging it, worrying about it, thinking about it. Like, I don't want to be sort of distracted by it. So that's a little strange. And then I'm also thinking, you know, is hybrid the right way? Is electric only the, way, the, the right way? If you're not really saving money and you have the gas engine, are you really making a difference in the environment? You sort of go through this whole process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, but you know, I'm okay. I'm a, I'm like a month into it. Um, you and I will catch up in a few months from now and I'll let you know where I land. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah. It's quite fascinating. All, all those interesting aspects. So I love it. Well, thanks. Yeah. Timing is timing is everything. So I appreciate you sharing that with me. Well, it's really been great to catch up with you and, and I really appreciate you coming back on the show and admire you for what you're doing on making things easier for all of us. I think once you know, all this technology that is wonderful until it isn't, <laughs> or it doesn't work. I just had this talk with somebody again yesterday where everything's going great and then they can't figure out why something's not working on their phone. And it's just so aggravating, kind of like what you've dealt with with the hybrid. Uh, I dealt with that a little bit when I had that Tesla for six days. I'm going to rent one again. And But yeah, it adds to this other complexity to our lives that sometimes you don't need. But what you're doing with Roto and Cario and all these brands is trying to simplify and let us focus on the more important things like 15 or 20 or 30 minutes on the floor with our four-year-olds uh, playing with cars. So is there something that you might leave us with today? Um, last time we spoke, your parting thoughts were entrepreneurship is one of the most difficult choices as a career, but very rewarding. What's new today that you could leave us with some words of inspiration? Uh, by the way, I would double down on that 100%. Uh, it is Definitely challenging, but extremely rewarding. But I'll add something to that in my, uh, as a closing thought. And that is, you know, since the last time you and I spoke, the world has changed a little bit. You know, there's a, there's a major war going on on the other side of the world yeah. between Ukraine and Russia, obviously. Uh, you know, the economic environment has become somewhat tenuous with interest rates, you know, going up pretty significantly. Uh, I think there's still a lot of unknowns attached to that. We're heading into a new political cycle um, in the U.S., which is also becoming very interesting, you know, with an aging president and a, a leading candidate that's somewhat controversial. So I think when you look at all of this uh, versus where we were a year ago, and there we were just coming out of COVID, I would say the message is also to ignore the macro and focus on what you need to be doing and on your goals. Don't let the outside environment distract you or otherwise get you off your pace. And to continue to move forward, because despite all of these distractions, if you will, we continue to move forward and we continue to flourish and we continue to, to innovate and create and make the world ultimately a better place for all of us. And I think that's something that I'm focusing on also. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to sort of fall into the malaise of all the worries that are out there. Mm -hmm. But if you're the type that can, you need to sort of rise above it and keep pushing forward. Lovely. You know, Nathan, it's always encouraging and inspiring to talk with you. And I can't thank you enough for coming back on the show. I also want to shout out to another great person from Jill Schmidt PR, Aaron Bartell, who put uh, Nathan and I back together again. So Aaron, thank you very much. How can people learn more about Cario? Uh, it's cario.com, C-A-R-I-O.com. And you can connect with us there. There are some email addresses. Uh, if you'd like more information, we're looking for dealer groups. We're looking for lenders. We're looking for consumers to help beta test. And of course, if you have uh, government uh, folks, especially those working at the DMVs, <laughs> listening to your program, please reach out. Please connect. We'd love to demo, um, and together we can get this thing off the ground. Absolutely. And if you're looking to buy, sell uh, a vehicle, go to Rodo, R-O-D-O.com. Wonderful platform. It makes things so easy and nice. That's what Nathan is all about, making, making things easy and nice. We appreciate you, Nathan. And thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and uh, revisiting the show. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you.
You're welcome. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!